You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 397 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Victor David Santos has a bachelor in computer science, graduated from the University of Sao Paulo, born in Santos, Brazil. Currently working as a full stack engineer with Ruby on Rails and React, he has worked with many other technologies, including game development for mobile and Unity. He has always loved playing and watching others play video games. He also really loves listening to music. Welcome to the Ruby on Rails podcast, Victor. Hello, and thanks for the opportunity. It's really nice to be here. And it's especially wonderful that it is your first time on a podcast, correct? Yeah, it is. Wonderful. Well, Victor, what is your developer origin story? So what got me into software development was actually the desire to create my own games. I have had this desire since my childhood. I played and watched my brother play Super Nintendo games. And I wanted to create my own like versions of those. We even created some fake video games with paper and Lego at the time. Later, when my brother went to college, he also studied computer science and started to learn about programming. He showed it to me and said that was the way to create real video games. So from that moment, I started to study programming on my own. I was about 16 years old. Of course, I didn't learn very much on my own, so I took a technical programming course alongside high school. And that course gave me the basics of programming. So I started creating my own games since that time. And then after that, I studied computer science at college as well. What led you to Ruby on Rails and React? I liked Ruby since the first time I saw it. And I started creating my personal projects with it. And so I studied Ruby a lot on my own. And then when the opportunity appeared to work with it, I really tried my best to get that opportunity. React is, is like the technology that they used in the company. So I went along with it, but it's also great. Do you work with Ruby and React every day? Yes, I work at the company. Although I live in Brazil, I work for a US company called Tremendous. We have a product that makes it easy for companies to send money to people outside of the payroll, like sending gifts, paying people for research and these kinds of things. The people that's receiving the reward can choose from many different options like ACH or PayPal or gift cards and so on. And my company is currently hiring radios engineers, so important to, to note as well. Of course. How is it working for a U.S. company from Brazil? All of the positions in the company are fully remote. So the culture of the company is already very well adapted to that. There's really not much of a problem for everyone to work remotely. We have a few meetings every week through Zoom and everything works very well. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely link that up in the show notes. Now, the reason that I brought you onto the show today, Victor, is that you have made a big splash in the community around gaming and Ruby. And so I'd love to talk about Super Bombinas. Before we get into the game, how common is Ruby used for game development? From my understanding, typically developers use C++, Lua, Java, or HTML. Yeah, Ruby is definitely not very common for game development. I don't know of any big commercial games that have been developed with Ruby. And that's probably for a good reason, because a Ruby doesn't have a great performance when compared to languages such as C++, Java, or even C Sharp, which is used with Unity. 
So yeah, it's really not very common. And that's probably why my game had such an impact. I love that. So where does the name of the game come from? Yeah, the name is Brazilian Portuguese for super little bombs. (laughs) It sounds childish, but... That's because the first ideas for the game came to me when I was a child. As I mentioned before, I wanted to create games since my childhood. So the first ideas for the game were from my childhood. And it was actually one of many game ideas that I had during that time. I'm always very jealous of creative artists who have ideas in their childhood and they just kind of stay with them. And it's almost like this itch where they need to find that outlet to actually bring their ideas to life. So what is the premise of the game? If I were to download it now, what's the storyline behind it? Yeah, so the game is a a classic side-scroller platformer. It's a game where you run, you control the character to run, jump, stomp on enemies, and try to reach the goal in each level. Are there any games that you've loved from the past that you might have gotten some inspiration from? Personally, my favorite side-scroller is Castlevania. I'm curious what yours is. Yeah, it was definitely inspired by games that I played when I was a child, mainly by the Mario games. To this date, the Mario games are some of my favorites. And also a bit by the Donkey Kong Country games, especially regarding the secrets that you can unlock and optional collectibles. Victor, Donkey Kong Country was my absolute favorite. I remember waiting outside of the store. I think I got there at 5 a.m. to get Donkey Kong Country 3. I just, I loved those games so much. Yeah, that game is a phenomenal. It's really great. I love the fact that you love Mario because you mentioned during your developer origin story that you would try to make video games with paper and Legos. And ultimately, you must have predicted Paper Mario. So that's quite impressive. (laughs) Yeah, not actually, but uh, Paper Mario was also a game that I really liked when I first played it on Nintendo 64. Well, some recent news around your game is that now it is available on Steam for people to be able to purchase. And I think the idea of getting something onto Steam is very nebulous to developers. I don't know if it's as difficult as getting onto the Apple Store So, you know, please walk us through what was it like submitting your game to Steam? It's actually a lot of work. First, you have to fill out lots of information about your game in their website, like the date, the description, what kinds of operating systems, what are the system requirements, hardware requirements, what languages are supported, if controllers are supported. It's really a lot of information. Then you have to produce marketing materials such as images and a trailer. The trailer was created by a friend of mine. I'm really thankful to him for that. The images I created myself. And then you have to create the build for the game, which is the actual package containing the game files. And it has to be in such a way that someone downloads these files and they will be put in one of Steam's folders. And the game has to run from one of the executables in that folder. This part was particularly tricky because there's no simple go-to way to package Ruby applications. So for Windows, I used the Okra Gem, which is a really nice project for packaging for Windows, but I wasn't able to create the same kind of package for Linux. What did you end up having to do for Linux? Yeah, for Linux, the game is currently only available on each, each.io. I created a Debian package. I created it myself. 
the structure of the package and running the, the native commands to generate the package. So from Steam, Linux users will have to rely on Proton, which is this team's project to run Windows games on Linux. The game runs pretty fine with Proton, but the controller support doesn't work. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Honey Badger. It's that time of the year. Things tend to slow down. You can get organized, you can try out new tooling and start planning the bigger projects for next year. Reflect on 2021. Were you on top of your bugs? Do you feel confident in the health of all of your applications? If you've been considering trying Honey Badger, now is the time. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. Honey Badger sends you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. Head on over to honeybadger.io to learn more. Thank you to Honey Badger for being such a great supporter this year. Let's talk about performance too. So you're using Ruby as a backend in order to generate this game. Have mm-hmm. you run into any issues or has everything been quite smooth? The current performance of the game is pretty smooth. It runs at 60 FPS without a problem. But I did need to worry about performance when developing it. So some specific algorithms, I had to optimize them to think about performance in order to get the, the steady 60 FPS. How about hosting the code? Is everything currently open source or are there components of the game that are closed source? It's completely open source. The game repository is on GitHub. And even the assets like the images and music, they're also kind of open source. They're free to use for anyone. That was the exact question I was going to ask you next, because I know one of the most difficult parts of game development is coming up with those artistic assets and then the music. So were you also responsible for those aspects as well? Yeah, these parts are definitely the most complicated, like programming the game was easy comparing to creating all of the graphics assets. So I created all of the graphics of the game, but not the music. The music was created by a a professional composer that actually offered to create the music for the game for free because it was open source. He was like an open source enthusiast. That's an amazing story. It seems like the overall story of the game is you just have had a lot of people reach out and help you along the way, which I loved so much. Yeah, I did. And I'm very thankful for everyone who helped me with the game. I actually, there is a credits screen where you can see the names of everyone who helped. I love that. So, you know, in the end, you know, Victor, this is going to be a very hard thing to calculate, but how many hours do you think you've put into building this game? Yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) I also don't have a good estimate for that. I I didn't control the game because when I started doing it, it was very much a hobby thing. It was nothing like a professional project. So I didn't control the hours spent, but I would say that I probably spent a few thousand hours. Yeah, because that's another detail about the development that I haven't told before. I started creating this game with Game Maker which is like a visual tool for creating games. I didn't even start it with programming. Then after I learned to program, I switched to C-sharp with the XD framework, which is an old framework. It's not even used anymore. But then there was the problem that C-sharp was kind of only supported Windows. 
So I decided after I got to know Linux, I decided to move to C++, which supported both Windows and Linux. But C++ had another problem, which is it's not a friendly language at all. <laughs> it's pretty difficult to develop anything in C++, at least in my opinion. So after I finally got to know Ruby, then I decided that was the language I would use to finish the project. So I switched technologies three times. <laughs> and that's why I think I actually spent a few thousand hours. That's so fascinating. So did you start the game over and over again? Like, are there different versions of it written in different languages? Or did you actually just try to rip out the parts that basically were you refactoring a legacy application for years? Yeah, there are different versions of the game, not complete versions. Like the only complete version is this one. I never got to complete the game in the other technologies. That's why I moved to Ruby, actually. How important is it to you for players to know that it's written in Ruby? Or do you want that to be maintained as a hidden detail? Yeah, for players like the end users, common players, it's not important that they know it's written in Ruby. But I think it's important for the game development community and for the Ruby community to know that it is possible to create games in Ruby. I agree. I think it's great because, you know, we are always trying to expand the Ruby community and you have to think about the different outlets in which someone gets exposed to Ruby and gets interested. And so in this case, you know, if we can inspire the game community, that's fantastic. Now, you mentioned that you use the Opera Gem in order to package. Were there other dependencies out there that helped you along the way? Or is game development just not really a big use case for Ruby at the moment? Yeah, definitely. The low-level graphics stuff is handled by a library called Goso, which is also an open source project, a fantastic project. Actually, not only the graphics, but the sound and the input is handled by this library called Goso. So it's basically the only dependency besides Okra, because the other more high-level stuff was handled by a library that I created myself which is actually also useful for other people to try and create games with Ruby. So I want to ask you how listeners can get started with Ruby and game development, but because you're coming at it with so low dependencies, which I think is really fantastic, it sounds like there isn't really a way to get started with Ruby and game development per se. It's almost get started with game development and then try to figure out how you can get Ruby included. Is that fair? No, actually, I think there are resources for someone to get started with Ruby. First, it's good to learn the Goso library. I think they have a lot of resources in the, they have a, an official website. It's libgoso.org. There are a lot of resources for learning there. But also, as I mentioned, I created a, a library myself, which is called MiniGL. And I also put together a few tutorials for it in a very illustrated way. It's a bit hard to mention like URLs here, but I have a website where these tutorials are available. We'll link all of that in the show notes so listeners can click through, I promise. Victor, I have to ask, how do you have the time? So not only have you sunk thousands of hours into this game, but you've developed your own library and done tutorials with it. If this isn't the ultimate definition of a passion project, I don't know what is. Yeah, that's why these few thousand hours were spread across more than 10 years, literally, I started the Game Maker version. I think it was in 2008 
and I published the finished Ruby version this year, 2021. So it was almost 13 years of development because I only did it on my free time. That is absolutely incredible. What kind of activity have you seen from the GitHub repository? Are people opening pull requests, opening issues? What kind of community support have you seen? Yeah, I have had some activity in the GitHub repo, which I think is really great. I get very excited whenever I see anyone open an issue there or a pull request, which is even better. I had someone contribute for the project with translation for Esperanto, which is pretty uncommon, but pretty cool. And also there are some people who reported issues that I fixed. That's fantastic. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout is an industry leader in application performance monitoring. This low overhead tool is designed to help Ruby developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache of enterprise platform feature bloat. With a super intuitive UI and tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to specific lines of code, you can quickly pinpoint and resolve issues like N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's real-time alerting and weekly digest emails notify you when there's a problem so you can fix it before it reaches your customers. With unlimited seats and applications, Scout's transaction-based pricing model makes it easy for any developer to become a performance pro. See for yourself why software engineers worldwide call Scout their best friend with a free 14-day trial, no credit card needed. As a special offer for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash Ruby on Rails. Now, how does the process work on Steam? So let's say, you know, for some reason something crashes, do you get a report back? Like, how does that whole process work? Yeah, that's something that I still have to figure out, actually. There was someone who reported a problem in the Steam community, but there were no like technical details about the problem. I, I don't know if if Steam itself offers something like that, but I realized that I also need to include some more debugging code in the game to facilitate investigating these. So I have to ask, you know, it is a game, it is a passion project, but you have it on a professional platform like Steam. Is the game tested? Is there an automated test suite? No, <laughs> I haven't created. <laughs> yeah, there, there are no automated tests for the game itself. I was really lazy in that aspect. I created tests for the underlying library, MiniGL. But even those are not like complete, there's not 100% coverage. But the game is so visual that it's actually quite hard to write automated tests for most things. That makes sense. So did you just enlist friends and family anytime you're getting ready for a big version? Or is it just you playing the game over and over again? I had some help with testing from family and friends. But most of the time, it was only me. How good are you at the game? I'm probably the best player in the world. (laughs) (laughs) But I really, really hope that some people get better than myself at the game. I really hope that's kind of my dream to see someone actually recording a video of a speedrun of the game. That would be just awesome. That would be so cool. It'd probably be a very out-of-body experience. But I mean, you're right. You want your work to persist above you and to become famous in its own right. So that would be incredibly cool if someone did that. So listeners, if you are listening, 
if you want to record a speed run of Victor's game, that would be amazing. So what other ways, Victor, can listeners support your work? The main way they can support is really by spreading the word. The main intention of this project is not to make money, is actually just to get uh, known by lots of people, to be played by lots of people and to be enjoyed by lots of people. So spread the word, download the game, of course, play for yourself, report problems in the GitHub repo, and that's it. Where do you take the game from here? Do you just keep improving upon it? Or are we eventually going to see, you know, Super Bombinius Part 2? Yeah, there are definitely some ideas for a sequel for the game, but I'm not working on it right now. I'm working on a different project, which is also an idea that I had during my childhood, also inspired by games that I played during my childhood. I'm working on this other project. But regarding Super Bombinius specifically, I had the idea to do still a major update to it, but it will be a big effort. So I will only do that update if I see that the community of the game is growing because the update is making the level editor allow you to share your levels online, like Mario Maker. I don't know if you know Mario Maker, but it's the same idea. Would you ever be open to having someone who wanted to make significant contributions to the code base? Yeah, sure. I mean, as long as people don't want to change the game very much from what it is, I would welcome contributions, of course. Do you maintain a list of ideas of things that you want to add to the game, you know, in GitHub issues or do they live in your childhood notebook or in your head? Yeah, currently new things to add to the game live only in my head because I only intend to do one major update, as I mentioned, which is like the level editor thing. During the development, I had them written down in my notebook. Are there any other places that you would like to see the game available for other people to use? Or are you really happy with getting it onto Steam? Uh, yeah, of course. I would love for it to be available in like every possible platform, but that's, that's a lot of work to make that happen. I would I really love to, to have it available on consoles, for example, because it's a controller game. It's ideal to play on consoles. Oh, okay. Good to know. Well, as someone who's spent thousands of hours putting together a Ruby game and works in Ruby every day, what are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities? I think the Ruby community will stay strong for a long time. I don't see it going anywhere. There are so many big projects that use Rails, for example. Rails itself is an incredible framework. And hopefully we can see Ruby being used for more things. Maybe some people will be inspired by my projects to create games. The potential is, is great, especially with the most recent versions that are improving even more the performance and even allowing some concurrency. So I think there is potential for growth in the Ruby community. Agreed. Now I'm curious, what does the Ruby community look like in Brazil? Is there a lot of developers that code in Ruby there? Yeah, in Brazil, I don't think it's very strong. It's much stronger in the US probably. While I was working for Brazilian companies, I haven't received any offers to work fully with Ruby. I have used Ruby like in parallel for small things in, in some jobs in Brazil, but there wasn't any specific Ruby openings. Well, then the call to action, it sounds like, is that we need more Brazilian developers to 
download and look over the source code of Super Bond Venus. And, yeah. you know, we'll get them hooked and we'll grow the Ruby community in Brazil. How can listeners follow you and the game? I have a Twitter, which I actually only created to help with spreading the word about the game. It's Victor DS92. And people can also follow me on itch.io, which is the site where I first published the game. And the game is available for free there. So we can also include the link for that. Victor, you have pulled off just such an incredible thing. And, you know, I want to say thank you on behalf of the Ruby community. I mentioned this earlier, but it is so important that not only should our community see that we're producing really cool things, but also other communities getting to see that and be inspired by that. So I think what you've done with the game is absolutely amazing. And I want to thank you for, you know, open sourcing it and, you know, inspiring so many community members. Yeah, thanks for the kind words and mostly thank you for giving me the opportunity to spread the word even more about the project. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review and thank you for listening.